Hey, what's up, Rhythm Church? Welcome to Church Online. I know what you're thinking right off the bat. If you're a regular with us, you're wondering, where, where is Aaron? Where's Jeff's wife? Where's my beautiful wife? By the way, I'm Jeff. I'm the lead pastor in the church, but usually my wife is right here with me, and she greets you, and she says beautiful, wonderful things, and it's pretty much the favorite part of everybody's uh, online church and actually in-person church experience. I kid you not. Like people come up, oh my gosh, what your wife said was awesome. She's there for like a minute and I'm there for 20. But anyways, I'm not bitter at all. I love her. <laughs> She's phenomenal. But um, anyways, uh, normally she would say, hey, we're so glad that you guys are joining us um, because we are. We, we absolutely love you guys and we want you to know, especially if you're new with us, that you belong here with us. You belong in this space. You belong at Rhythm Church. You're going to feel known. You're going to feel welcomed. You're going to feel loved. We are here for you. So um, we would love to know where you're watching from. Uh, we'd love to know what's going on in your life. So you can actually go to MyRhythmChurch.com and you can fill out uh, a digital communication card. You just go to our church online uh, uh, webpage and you'll be able to figure all that stuff out from there. You can give online to help support the vision and mission of Rhythm Church and what we have going on. But I absolutely love, personally, I love that we have people that watch all over the country, that it's not just um, North County, San Diego, although we're making a great impact in North County, San Diego, but where we're, we're people are watching in Washington and out in Pennsylvania and Michigan and out in Nevada. I think we got some in Arizona and Montana, we, all over the place. Anyways, we just, we, we greet you. And um, again, I wish that she was here. I, I honestly, sometimes I feel just very lost without her. I, mean, I don't know what I'm, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing, but um, we are, we're so stoked that you, or I'm so stoked, she's here in spirit. We're so stoked that, uh, that you're joining us um, this, this day. I don't know what day you're watching. Maybe it's Sunday, maybe it's another day. But again, um, we just want to say Rhythm Church, it's a church for you. So glad you're with us. All right, now please join with me in the Bible. We are, we're actually not in a series right now. We're taking a couple of weeks just to, to free, free flow, free form, we're, we're going to take a couple of weeks and just have some standalone messages, stuff that's just really kind of on our hearts that we want to communicate to you as we um, prepare for December. We've got some cool stuff coming for you in December, um, but we are in Matthew chapter number nine. We're going to read verses 35 through all the way in 10, uh, ch Matthew chapter 10, verse eight, verse eight, 10, verse eight. Matthew 9, 35 through 10, verse 8. Uh, if you missed any of our family series, which we just concluded last week, uh, so sorry. You can actually go back and watch it, though, on YouTube or on our webpage, um, on our website. I'm going to get this right, people. I really am. Uh, but last week in, for our in-person services, our in-person gatherings, we had a great time. We uh, dedicated seven children to the Lord. Their parents came up and dedicated them to the Lord. It was just a, a great time and uh, really powerful and excited for what God's going to do in the life of those kids. And, um, and, uh, and, oh, and also to let you guys know this too, that um, caffeine hasn't kicked in yet. But anyways, I'll also to let you know that if you want to join us for in-person gatherings, we're meeting outdoors right now, and you can be as socially distanced as you want. You can sit across the street. You can sit in, on our lawn. We do have chairs set up. You can wear a mask. You can, we just, we, 
it's so important to gather together. We're actually going to get into a little bit of that today. All right, Matthew chapter number nine. I need to get into the word. Get me focused. Here it goes. Nine thirty-five through ten, verse eight, and it says, "Okay, again, I'm going to get focused." But this is one of my favorite passages to speak out of, and I normally speak out of this thing probably two to three times a year. And so, if it sounds familiar, that's okay. We're going to take kind of a different route with it. So. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. The workers are few. So ask the Lord of the harvest to send the workers out in the harvest field. So Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and heal every disease and sickness. These are the names. It goes to the names of the disciples. Jumping down to verse 5. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any towns of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. We'll get into that for it kind of can be confusing right there. But as you go, do this. Proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you've received, freely give. Today I want to speak very briefly on this idea of it only takes a few. It only takes a few of us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We pray that as we open it, God, you would speak to our hearts, speak to our minds, encourage us, convict us, inspire us, and just ultimately, Lord, continue to shape us more and more into your likeness. Father, we love you, we thank you, and we praise you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, One of my favorite uh, activities in school, not activities, assignments. One of my favorite assignments in school would be the group assignment with a group project because I absolutely positively hated working on things by myself. I am an extrovert by nature, and so to do things on my own, not only that, but I'm also a prostic- procrastinator by nature, and so um, I would always wait for the last minute in college. I was writing my papers at like 10 p.m. the day before they were due. Like, that's just kind of how I flow. So in school, when we had a group project, I absolutely loved it, partly because, um, well, the people that did the group projects with me hated it <laughs> because I, I wasn't the best at necessarily following through on my end of the bargain. But as I grew up, I realized that's because I wasn't being utilized in the right way. I'm the creative mind. I'm the one that comes up with the ideas and the concepts, and I delegate very well to other people. But most of the people that I had the group projects with didn't appreciate that, didn't want me to delegate, and didn't want me to just be creative over there in the corner. They actually wanted me to do stuff. So... But the thing was, is that the idea of the group project was to have the collective whole come together, work together, and accomplish something, right? Accomplish something. That it wasn't just up to one person. Right here, we see Jesus uh, come up with a group project for the disciples to do. What, what, they, what they've been doing is they've been traveling, they've been speaking, and Jesus is, like it said in verse 35, he's going through all the towns and villages, he's healing every disease and sickness. It's just, it's mayhem. People are bringing, you know, the people by the hundreds to be healed, to hear his words, to everything. It's just awesome. But it says here that he has maybe, maybe it's just a moment that he has where he steps back, and it says that he saw the crowds. He saw 
like the multitudes of people. And the interesting thing here is that the word saw actually means to perceive. It just doesn't mean to like see, but it means to perceive. So Jesus perceives the crowds and he says that they're harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And that causes him to have a compassion. It causes him to, to like deep down within him to be um, moved by it to be moved, the word compassion means to be moved with, like, in your inner being, like, within your bowels, like, you're, you're so moved by this, so he sees that they're harassed, and they're helpless, they, these, these crowds, and I want you to, I want you to get this, because sometimes we just think that G, Jesus just looks at us, and he sees our sin, but when he sees a crowd, he doesn't just see their sin, he sees their situations, he sees where they're at in life, he sees what they're dealing with, he sees their needs, their wants, their desires, their hopes, their dreams, their failures, everything, he sees it all, and it's out of that that he has compassion for these people. They, they, they have no shepherd, that they have no pastor, that they have no community um, that they belong in. And so he's saying, I, I feel for them. And he goes, man, look at this harvest field. There's so many people that the field is ripe for the harvest, but there's very few workers out there to go out and to make a difference in these people's lives. And so Jesus doesn't just go, well, you know what, then that's too bad. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm only one man. I can only do so much. And, and we only have very many. So let's just, you know, he goes, no, let's do what we can. Let's do what we can. So he he, he gathers the 12 disciples. If you're writing, you know, if you're taking notes, write this down, write down, gather. Before he sends them out, he gathers them together. He gathers them together. And I think this is incredibly important, especially in this season of our country, of our nation. Right now, there is this focus on not gathering. And I completely understand we don't want to spread illness, we don't want to spread sickness. But what we don't, I don't know if we've ever, like, <clears throat> I don't know if we have truly comprehended, though, the, um, the ill effects of not gathering. Like right now, depression rates are through the roof. Anxiety is through the roof. Um, suicide uh, is higher than it's ever been. And so we're, we're seeing these ill effects of not gathering together. As a matter of fact, I believe it's uh, part of the enemy's plan to get the church not to gather together. Now, you at home, I completely understand. But right now, get it. You're gathering, though. You're gathering with us. In virtual form, you're still gathering with us. You're still a part of the body of Christ. You're still part of the church, and one day hopefully you'll feel comfortable enough to gather in person. But what's taken place, and I've, I've noticed this over time, whether it's from the views online that we see or other pastors that I'm talking to, um, is, is, or some uh, other churches' uh, attendance of you know, not being where it was, all of this stuff is that um, people have gotten into the habit of not gathering. Let me say that again. People have gotten into the habit of not gathering. So it says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, it says, Let us not neglect meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage each other all the more as we see the day approaching. Let us not neglect meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. Meaning you can get into the habit of not going to church. You can get into the habit of not listening to the word. You can get into the habit of not being in community. And I think people have seen this. They've seen that they've stepped out. They got tired of watching online. And so now, therefore, they've, they've gotten in the habit of not being connected in a Christ-centered community. And I guarantee you, their faith more than likely 
is, is wavering, is suffering, maybe is dormant at this time. Because when we gather together, we're able to uh, inspire each other. We're able to encourage each other in the Lord. We're able to remind each other why it is that we do this life, the mandate that is on our life to see people come to Jesus, to see the lost you know, reached, to see the, those that are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd, to see them touched and healed. Like That's what we have to be reminded of. And that's why it's so important, church, that we gather, again, virtually or in person, and we make it a habit of it. So I hope you have a habit. I hope you have a habit of maybe it's Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. when we premiere this, that you are gathered in your living room, maybe with your family or a couple of close friends, and you're turning on the word, and you're listening to the word, or maybe it's Monday evenings or Tuesday afternoons or whenever you're doing it, but you're making it a habit to gather with a Christ-centered community. So important. It's because... it, it empowers us, it provokes us, it encourages us, and we're able then to connect with each other. We are built for connection, we're built for community. I have no time to get into that. But, so he calls these 12 to him, and you have to understand, these 12 aren't necessarily well-qualified men. They're not like the scholars of the day, they're not those that are like, have been trained in theological depth. It's, these guys are 12 dudes from the region of Galilee. Side note, the region of Galilee was known as the uncultured, like not very smart, like they didn't speak well. If you came from Galilee, they could tell because of your, your speech. And they just, it was like not the smart part of town, basically. The not, not the, it was not the intelligent region of Israel. So the fact that they're from Galilee says multitudes about who Christ is willing to use. It goes, and, and, and these men are not, like I said, they're not well-trained, like, theologically. They would have grown up learning about the Bible until about the age of 13. And then each one of them went into trades. We know that a few of them are fishermen. We know that one of them, for sure, is a tax collector, which means that he completely turned on his people, worked for the Roman government, ripped all of his, uh, his town off. Um, we know that one of them is a zealot, which is, like, a very hardcore um, political party, so he's very, that one of them is very political and, and gnarly about it, which yeah, speaks a lot to, to, to some people today. <laughs> but anyway, so like, we, we see this, we see this group of guys that they're, they're not like the cream of the crop. They're not the best of the best. And I think sometimes we think in order to be used by God, we need to be the best of the best. We need to be like the well-educated, the well-theologically educated. Now, please be theologically educated, but that happens over time of being in your word. And, but he just, he grabs these guys and he uses them. As a matter of fact, when people see that they're used, you see in Acts, they, um, Acts chapter 4, verse 13, the well-educated religious folk of the day said this. They said, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, when they realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that they had been with Jesus. They are unschooled, ordinary men. Um, basically, when you break down, I believe it's the unschooled part, it's idiotis, which is Greek where we get the word idiot from. You saw that they were idiots. So if you feel like an idiot at times, congratulations, God can, and God will use you. <laughs> so he gathers these 12 and these 12 are his plan to do his work. And he says, now go. He sends them. Right? This number two, right? Go. So gather, then go. 
So he sends them out, and he sends them out with his authority to do work. Just like he sends us out as the church with his authority to do work in our communities, in in our cities. Now, he says to them, don't go into the towns of the Samaritans or or the Gentiles. And the reason why, and I just want to clear this up, is that it had to be clear that they were trying to convert, that they weren't trying to convert people to, um, to the Jewish religion. They were eventually going to convert people to Christianity, a, a, a new, f- well, it would have been like a new sect of, of the Jewish religion. But anyways, um, so they're going first to God's people who would understand this message, who understand Yahweh, who understand um, who who the great I am is, you know, the, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. So he's going first to those people to show that he is the Messiah, right? So then once they begin to convert, then we are, it is now our mandate to go into all the world. We see it in Matthew 28. We see it in Acts 1.8. We see it all, we see it throughout scripture in the New Testament that we are now to go into all the world. So we aren't like laser focused like that, but Jesus had to be in order <clears throat> for the world to eventually know who he was. But he sends them out, and he sends them with his authority, and he sends them, as we see in a, in a different uh, version of this, another book, I believe it's in Luke, that he sends them out two by two, meaning he sends them together. He sends them in groups, because we're always better together. We can do more together. We can pool our resources together. We are, we're able to do it. We're able then to remind each other. We're able to encourage each other. Like So he sends them out two by two. So he says, go in my authority. And by the way, he says later in Matthew chapter 10, verse 16, he says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. So you're not going into some kind of, you know, fluffy, fluffy, wonderful, like circumstance. He says, no, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. You're going to go and you're going to experience hardship. You're going to experience pain. You're going to experience trials. You're going to experience suffering all because you're going to go out and do my work. You're going to have people oppose you. You're going to have people oppose you, which means, church, when people begin to oppose us or oppose our mission, it doesn't mean that we back down. It doesn't mean that we cower or that we hide. It means that we, we continue to move in the authority that Jesus has given us for the benefit of others, for the benefit of others. So he says, I want you to go into all the towns and the villages, and I want you to do this. Basically, he's saying this, I want you to just give. I want you to give of yourself. So I want you to, we're going to gather, we're going to go, and as we go, we're going to give. We're going to give. We're going to give of ourselves. We're going to give a message. We're going to give healing. We're going to give hope. He says, go and, uh, go and declare the kingdom of heaven is near. Or another way to say it would be the kingdom of God is near. Not as in near in the future, not as in near as in time, but near as in proximity, that it's, it's here, it's, it's around us. The, the, the disciples, as they're going out with his authority, they're carrying the kingdom with them. In Matthew 28, when Jesus sends us out with authority, in Matthew 28, 18, he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go. Therefore, as you live your life, go. Meaning we carry his authority, we carry the kingdom with us wherever we go. So he says, declare that the kingdom is here, and now show them that the kingdom is here. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy. Those three particular things would have been 
um, considered unclean in the Jewish religion. They would have been considered the untouchable. They would have been considered the things that you stay away from, the people that you stay away from. But Jesus tells them, and ultimately now is telling us, that we go to those people in society that are marginalized and people don't want necessarily to, to touch or to hang with or to be around or like those are the people that we go to, those that have need, we go in and we begin to meet those needs. And he says, drive out demons, drive out demons. <clears throat> this can get, this can maybe get a little bit weird for people. This can go, I'm not, by the way, I'm not about to get into some like, you know, how to cast out a demon and stuff. But I, I will say this, is that I think right now, when you look at how our society is ultimately, and even how the church sometimes is operating and how people are making decisions, it's all based in fear. It's so much, there's so much fear right now. There's so much fear that is hindering people. There's so much fear that people are, like the, the news and the media are stirring up fear. It's, it's so, people are so afraid for so much. And wherever there is a, um, a spirit of fear, wherever there is a strategy of fear, there's always something demonic behind it. There's always something demonic behind it. And so right now what we're experiencing so much in our culture is demonic. It really is. It's demonic. And the only way to, to I guess you could say, cast it out would be to come against it in the opposite spirit, which is the Holy Spirit. And it says this in John chapter 4. It says that perfect love drives out fear. So perfect love casts out fear, and God is perfect love. God is love. So we have to come against the fear right now in society. And again, I'm not being like, I'm not saying, you know, like ignore facts and all of that different stuff. I'm not. But I actually spoke a message early on in this whole pandemic about how we're to faith the facts, how that our faith needs to line up, like needs to look at the facts and understand that God can and will overcome. So we don't ignore the facts, but we can't allow those facts to cause fear. We have to continue to bring that faith. We bring that perfect love. It means that we have to stop, we have to stop pr promoting the message of fear and start promoting the message of hope. Like, let's start promoting the message of hope. We, we need to be... Uh, This is what I'm noticing. I'm noticing that we are more about gossip than we are about the gospel. That we're, we're promoting controversy more than we're promoting Christ. And we're even doing this within our, our churches. We're doing this within our families, within our friend groups, and even within our churches. We need to start promoting the gospel. We need to start promoting Jesus. We need to start promoting hope. That Be careful what your words are, are, are saying. Be careful what you're promoting in this season that we need to be, get back to that place of Jesus is Lord and Jesus is our rescuer, Jesus is our healer. He says, now freely you've received, now freely give. We've received all this stuff, so let's freely give it. Let's not hold it in. Let's not, let's not be greedy in this time with, with our faith, with our hope, with our love, with our, our finances, with our time, with our resources. Let's not be greedy with this stuff, but let's give. Because we've been, it's been freely given to us. We didn't earn it, nor do we deserve it. God simply has given it to us. He provides for us. And so, therefore, we get to, we get to give. He's called us in Scripture that we're, we're to have uh, streams of living water flowing out of us. 
We're, we're, we're to be, in a sense, like we're to be like rivers instead of like lakes. We're not just to have like all of our resources pulled into one area for ourselves, but we're to be constantly flowing, constantly giving out. By the way, in, in Israel, living water was opposite of stagnant water. It was death where nothing could grow in, where it would cause illness and sickness. But living water was known as flowing water, water that could be, that could be used for um, drinking and refreshment. And like, that's what we're supposed to be. So we're to freely give. We're to freely give. And we're coming into a season where there are, if we can just look around and perceive the crowds, understanding that there are so many that are harassed and helpless, that we are those that are, to be, that are called to gather together as the body of Christ so that we can be given instruction and then to go, to be sent in order to give to people in need, to bring hope to bring healing to meet needs. And so this, this December at Rhythm Church, we're going to do two different things. There are two different ways for us to enact our faith and impact our community. Um, already, let me say, you guys have been incredibly generous throughout this last season of, of COVID. You've, we've given out hundreds of groceries. We've hooked tons of kids up with school supplies. We've, um, we've given hygiene kits we've um jackets we've given winter coats away and we still have more to give away i mean it's just been amazing but jesus didn't say just do one thing and be done he said no this is a continual thing for us to do and so these are two different ways for us to practice this give portion of matthew chapter 10. so first being this on uh, december 12th I believe it's the 12th, it's a Saturday, we're going to have our Christmas market. And our Christmas market will be for families in need, and we're going to set up our community hall, we're going to put toys, we're going to set up tables with toys uh, on it, we're going to have clothes available, um, we're hopefully we're going to have some groceries available and stuff too. And so what's, what will happen is families will be able to come, and instead of being given an already wrapped gift that they then are just, that's what they give to their kid, they're going to go through and they'll be able to shop for free for an item for their, for their children. And then maybe they'll grab a coat and maybe grab some groceries. Um, we're looking at, too, um, providing uh, free Christmas portraits for them as well on that day. So on, on that day, December 12th, it's a Saturday from 9 to, to, 9 to noon, that's what we're going to do. And so if you want to partner with us in that, the easiest way to do it would be to buy a gift, buy a Christmas gift for a child age, uh, child age boy, child, child age <laughs> Child elementary, I don't know, for, for either a toddler or, you know, like an eight-year-old <laughs> or something. <laughs> I, I just, I, we would love for you to partner. Buy, buy a gift, and you can send it to the church. You can Amazon it straight to our church, or better yet, you could shop local somewhere and have them ship it to the church so that we can support our local businesses. So we're going to be doing that. Um, if, if you don't want to send anything, maybe just uh, contribute some uh, finances to our community outreach fund where we're going to be purchasing a lot of toys and stuff like that um, for this event. So that's one way, our, our Christmas market. We're so excited about that to help families in need. The second way to do it is um, this December, we're going to be setting up our Next Generation Fund. See, we're, every December, Rhythm Church is going to take an offering for something. Um, maybe in the future it will be for buildings or for, you know, op other opportunities and stuff. But this year we've recognized 
that 2020 has been a particular hard year for our kids and our teens. It's been brutal. Um, uh, last year, some weren't able to graduate with their class, you know, like in a ceremony. Um, this year, my daughter in particular, she's a senior this year, and she's been doing school at home, not necessarily with all of her friends. And so it's, it's been hard. It's been a hard year for a lot. Um, teen depression and uh, teen anxiety is up. Uh, even with kids, you know, parents are noticing different behavioral issues now that weren't there before. There's just, they've, they've gone through a lot. And so um, we're taking a sacrificial offering. What we mean by that is above and beyond your tithe. So we would love for you to pray for about an amount that you'll give to our next generation fund that's above and beyond what you give normally. Because again, we still have to keep rent paid and utilities paid and staff you know paid and so we're asking that this would be above and beyond and we're going to take this offering and we're going to apply it to our youth ministry and our children's ministry which are by the way doing a phenomenal job already at our in-person gatherings they're their lights out they're great but we want to be able to do even more we want to be able to improve some of the spaces where they meet and we want to be able to uh, purchase them some equipment that is necessary for them to continue to put forth an excellent ministry we want to give them money uh, so that they can do some events and stuff in order to continue to impact our youth and our, our kids our kids and our teens and so that's another way to, to be doing that. If you're interested in giving to that, the, actually, we should have the link up before December, but we will, by December, have our next generation um, tab in our portion for our online giving. You just go to myrhythmchurch.com. You go to support Rhythm Church. You can click on there, and then you can either give tithe. It'll have community outreach. It should have on there as well our next generation fund. That's what we're going to do. We're going to impact our community this year. We are going to listen to what Jesus told his disciples. We're going to gather, we're going to go, and we're going to give. We're not going to be frozen in this time. We're not going to, we're not going to sit back in fear. We're not going to wait to see what happens. We're going to continue to advance the kingdom as Jesus has told us to advance his kingdom. And it only takes a few. It only takes a few. God can do so much with 12 dudes and dudettes. Dude, I'm an idiot. God can do so much with just a few people. He really can. A few uneducated, as the Bible calls them, idiots. He can do so much with them. He can do so much with us. It's only, it only takes a few of us, church. And I'm so proud and so excited to partner with you in, as, we, as we meet needs in December and as we set up our kids and our teens for next year. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much. Um, we thank you so much for your heart, Lord, for your heart for people. We thank you, Lord, that you saw us, that you perceived us, that, that you saw us as harassed and helpless, that we were sheep without a shepherd, but you grabbed us, Lord. And so, Jesus, we just ask now that, God, we would, um, we would be those that continue to gather, Lord, that we would stay in the habit of gathering, that we would be those that are going, that are making um, an effort to go out into your cities. God, and reach people with your word, and we'd be those that give. God, that we would give hope right now because hope is so needed, that we would give healing right now because healing is so needed, that we would give financially right now because there are so many in need. 
Lord, thank you for your blessings on us as your people. Thank you for your blessings on Rhythm Church. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Church, it's a, bl- it's a blessing. It is a blessing to partner with you. You guys are phenomenal. Thanks so much for hanging in with us today. We will see you next Sunday and cannot wait to eventually see you in person. Even if you're from another state, come visit us one day. All right, love you. See you next week.